This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Welcome back, everybody, to Wrestling Omakase. It is episode number 172, and this week I am very pleased to be joined by a returning guest, uh, as heard on several Wrestling With Words spinoff podcasts, <laughs> and a close personal friend of Andrew T. Rich. Hello, Skyler. Hello, friends and <laughs> listeners. Uh, yeah, <laughs> thank you for doing my intro. I really should have included more. I'd, if I knew that you were going to be game, I would have yeah, included a few more. Well, I thought it would be funny if I didn't do if I didn't tell you I was going to do it, and I just did it, so... Yeah, well, uh, yeah, official wonder of Trump death. <laughs> yeah, I think we could all agree on. I think that could be an omakase, like all, you know, the omakase corporation. So all guests, past and present and future, we can all agree. We're going to officially endorse that now. Yes, uh, I can. I can think of one who might have a problem. Maybe. Um, well, is Jeff Hawkins on that? <laughs> Jeff. Uh, that's exactly what I was thinking of. Um, uh, <laughs> but yes, like. As far as, I don't know, you just brought up the Trump thing. That was like the craziest night on Twitter. Uh, oh, yeah. When we I found mean, it, it, was, it was really gold. It was, you know, this was like the non-wrestling version of like the Fujita match, like the Fujita <laughs> Go match, where it just felt for an hour like Twitter was standing still, like I was in the Matrix. <laughs> it was pretty amazing. I mean, uh, I don't know. Just like the, the absurdity of it, of like the, he would downplay this thing like, on stage of that debate and, like, literally make fun of his opponent for wearing a mask all the time and then get it, like, two days later. It was one of those, you know, I'm, I am agnostic. Maybe there is a god. I don't know. It just felt way too, like, huh. Yeah, this is, like, <laughs> this is like one of the WWE storylines where, like, you know, there's, like, a mud pit and one guy's teased to getting thrown in the mud pit, but then, <laughs> oh, he accidentally gets thrown in the mud pit. It's literally just this. It's, like, an yeah, Attitude yeah. Era storyline. It's something. I mean, you know. And then all the, and, like, the weekend at Bernie's vibe with these doctors being, like, we're giving him an experimental phase three drug that may or may not work with a compassionate use uh, exception, but he's doing great. And here yeah, he is like, signing some blank pages. It's like, come, how, like how fucking stupid do you think people are, man? I mean, I, yeah, get, I like, get that I get that we elected him, so we're pretty fucking stupid. But like, even his own supporters don't seem to be buying this shit. So yeah, know. they're like, we're giving Trump the limitless pill and hoping that his <laughs> expanding brain power will help him <laughs> like out of this disease. It's like okay, um, 
But yeah, so if if he's gonna die or not, this is not where I expected the the start of this podcast to go. But I don't well, I don't disapprove. Yeah, I feel like it's important to just get it out there that we officially <laughs> endorse the death of the president of the United States. Uh, I hope the CIA does not listen. Yeah, to and this. the and the, these views are indeed shared by the Voices of Wrestling <laughs> Podcast Network. <laughs> Uh, I want to say for if I for the uh, CIA parody parody here's in this Fortnite this, is, this is satire parody parody satire uh, yes so I I wonder if this will be will this finally get me like uh, people complaining on Twitter I never get the complaints on Twitter that like the super J cast gets when Joel just like opens his mouth I guess <laughs> like like Joel will say the most mild anti-Trump thing of all time and there will be some dude with like a Blue Lives Matter avatar or thin blue line avatar who's like I am never again listening to the Super J cast. You have not gotten my zero dollars for the last time sir. (laughs) I think in terms of reactionary fan base I mean, I, I would be surprised if any of the, you know, Japanese wrestling podcasts, outside of the Joshi one, probably. I mean, that that one has a history of some weirdos, but besides that, I think we're we're all cool guys here. Yeah. Cool friends. I'm sure. I hope I, I, someone's going to add us about this one, I think, but we'll see. And for that person who's listening right now, I'm very angry. I don't care. You don't have to at me. It's fine. Um, yeah. As far as what else has been going on, Skyler, other than thinking about the possible death of the u.s president well yeah things are things are lovely here in washington dc i've recently been a become an exercise person um which yeah trying to be like a body guy trying to be like all of these all of these wrestlers i'm going to be in shape for the first time in my entire life um and you know watching professional wrestling and seeing like all these like 55 year old guys with like abs i'm just like i could do this i mean (laughs) i'm i'm you know still an adult I, I can definitely have, like, the Tanahashi body. Um, so, yeah, that's what I'm aiming for right now. Tanahashi but... body. Uh, I, I, mean, they, they, I mean, how the hell Minoru Suzuki still looks, like, even as good as he looks at 52? Oh, yeah, he, he's, he's very handsome. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, like, remember how Ric Flair used to look in his 50s on WCW? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's like, he, he with all that loose skin, where they finally told him to start wearing T-shirts. It's like, I don't know. Yeah, Ric Flair sort of always has looked old. That's <laughs> true. That <laughs> is true. But yeah, I don't know. Suzuki, Suzuki's pulled it off. Nagata, it's another one. It's like I don't know what. Although Nagata always has those gross cups on his, like from cupping all over. His oh yeah, body. yeah. But yeah, him and Osprey. I feel like I wonder if they they do it together. Have you ever like have you ever looked that up? By the way, it's total bullshit. Oh, of course. <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> It's like you look. Just like, come on, guys. (laughs) I've looked it up and like, is cupping like Google like is cupping real? The answer is like, no. It's not even like a maybe. It's like unequivocally. It's like this does nothing. Yeah, (laughs) I don't like that cupping. Sounds like if to an uninformed person, like some sort of sex. It definitely does. (laughs) It definitely does. Sounds like something the kids are doing nowadays. (laughs) The kids, the kids are cupping. Uh, Yeah, but uh, other than that, I guess you've been doing good. Yeah, everything's been great. Although I I had not been watching much wrestling during quarantine, um, so then when you told me it's like, oh well, we're gonna watch like the last show of the G one and the, or yeah, the newest of the G one and the N one. I was like, well, I have to watch these now. <laughs> um, so I've watched like well, four wrestling I, shows a day this I, week. I think my exact question to you was, have you been keeping up with the G one and the M one? And you were just like, yes. And then well, I mean, I've, been, I've been following the on uh, Twitter and laughing at the things, the results that I don't like is what I meant. Okay. So. But you did catch up. That's good. 
Yes, we're all um, caught up. That's good. Uh, but yeah, the G one. I, I say the G one, the M one. I mean, they're both. They've both been good. The one that's been bad, we're not talking about today. So yeah, really you know, have to it because yeah. I, I, I wanted to, you know Shuji Ishikawa, one of my favorite wrestlers of the last decade. You know, I just I'm not going to disrespect him. Disrespect his booking <laughs> right now. I will say that booking is not the only problem, but it is part of the problem over there. Yeah, I mean, we we really ripped into it. On last week's show. And that's a good transition for the Patreon plug because if you want to hear me talk about the Champion Carnival final uh, tomorrow or today or in the past, depending on when you're listening to this, but uh, the Champion Carnival final is Monday, October 5th. Uh, I'll be covering that on the Omakase Patreon, uh, bringing in Paul Vosch of Voice of Wrestling, who does all the All Japan covers, does a really good job on, along with Gerard and uh thomas and you know some other people but yeah paul is coming on gerard is on for the first night and uh paul is going to be on for the finals so that's basically the main two voice of wrestling all japan people so uh yeah so paul will be on me tomorrow to do that and also the g1 uh night nine i believe was he go up to night nine so yeah so that'll be on the patreon uh we'll have the g1 shows from tuesday wednesday and thursday as well because this is a really packed g1 week so you know all that stuff, plus all the uh, past content on the on the Patreon with all the G one shows, Champion Carnival shows, and M one shows we didn't cover on the free feed. You can find all of that at patreoncom omakase. Five dollars per month, uh, great time to sign up here at the start of the month. You get, you know, an entire month worth of stuff here for only five bucks, and you'll hear all of our coverage all the way to the end of the G one. Uh, so it'll be a lot of fun. So yeah, patreon.com slash wrestling omakase. Feels like a low energy plug here, but I just, I don't know. Wow, what value. Yeah, it's a great, it's, it is a, I don't know, I've reached a number where I'm happy with it. Like, Is that number higher than the Everything Elite Patreon? That was your I don't goal? Th- no, 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 I think it is still below Everything Elite. But like my, I, I had like a, a, a financial number in mind mostly, and I'm, bas- uh, and I'm basically there. So like, I don't yeah, know. For, like these... for the listeners, John did tell me he's making $60,000 a month. <laughs> yes, that's how much I'm making, for sure. But no, I mean, like, there there were weeks in the past where I probably sound like I was begging people to sign up. And now it's like, well, you can sign up if you want. I'll take more money. But I've reached a point now where, like, if everybody sticks around, I'm pretty happy. So Yeah, you're you know. part of the 1% now. <laughs> Thank you. you. You're part of the elite. Exactly. No, God, not that. Anything but, <laughs> <The elite. laughs> Anything but that. Uh, uh, that's another. That actually brings up another thing I want to mention. So uh, it just made me think of Harold May getting fired, uh, as it sounds like. I mean, it, it could be resigned. It, could, it probably was fired, you know, uh, reading to what you will. But... They apparently mentioned on the Super J-Cast, I haven't listened to the newest episode yet, but uh, they mentioned my run-in with Harold May uh, at Dominion 2019. Do you remember the story, Sky? Did I ever tell you this one? Yeah, weren't you throwing shit at him or <laughs> Yeah, so, so I promised uh, Manabu, one of the the uh, Super J-Cast super fans who also listened to Omakase a lot, that I would tell the story on Omakase this week. So basically, I'm at Dominion 2019. Uh, there, you know, at Osaka Joe Hall. There is no intermission because, you know, New Japan had gotten rid of their intermissions uh, prior to COVID when they brought them back to, you know, do that fucking clean theater (laughs) bullshit they do. Because it's like, it's not even, it doesn't even spread by surfaces. Why are people still doing this shit? Anyway, (laughs) that cleaning theater intermission. But but in 2019, there was no intermission. Um, But yeah, so I just, I had to pee really bad. uh, But I also wanted to get back to my seat very quickly because 
you know, want to watch the show. So I am very quickly walking towards this exit, holding a Coke bottle. I see out of the corner of my eye a garbage can. I think I could kind of make out that there's a person there, but I seriously did not see who they were or even that there was a person there for sure. And I just fucking fling the Coke bottle at this garbage can. And, you know, my uh, my friend Quinlan, friend of the show, has been on before, is standing right behind me. And, you know, he's walking with me to the bathroom, I guess. And he sees me throw this Coke bottle. And I want to stress, I got it in the garbage can. I did not actually hit the man standing there. But Quinlan's like, do you know who you just almost threw a Coke bottle at? And I'm just like, who? I don't know. And he's like, that was fucking Harold May. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay. Wow. It's like he jumped backwards. Like he, <laughs> so, <laughs> so he just sees, so from Harold's perspective, he sees this fucking big fat American walking towards this garbage can, just fucking fling this Coke bottle like I'm about to toss it right in his fucking face and, like, apparently did, like, an actual jump. I ne- I'm relying on Quinlan's account because I never saw him until, like, I was, you know, halfway up the, the, the staircase or whatever and finally turned back and confirmed it was him. But, well, yeah. To be fair, yeah. To, to be fair when he's, you, you said he saw a big, fat American, he probably thought you were Chris Jericho, right? <laughs> Uh, I know he's Canadian, but I mean, he's definitely had a very similar build at that time of his there, career. There you go. But yeah, um, I don't know. It was very funny. <laughs> Just a very funny little story that I almost threw. Because all these people were posting this shit on Twitter when uh, Harold, you know, stepped down or whatever. Like, you know, oh, I met him outside this show. It was so nice. Oh, I met him at this meet and greet. He was Because he always did these meet and greets outside the shows where he'd like meet up with the fans or whatever. And I was like, yep, my Harold interaction was I almost threw a Coke bottle at him. That was, <laughs> that's my interaction with him. So. Yeah. If only you would have gotten like banned for life from, <laughs> from Osaka Joe Hall for something like that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I again, I want to stress because I've heard people tell the story as John hit Harold Bay with a Coke bottle. I did not <laughs> hit him with the Coke bottle. It yeah. made it in the garbage can. I had. And then you yelled at him. It's like, yeah, I would have monkey flipped you too if you're super drunk. <laughs> It's like I had great aim, okay? I was just very, uh, I was in a big rush, and I was like, I guess really, really aggress- aggressively whipped the thing in there, so he got very scared. <laughs> but, you know, it was, uh, that's my and, run-in. And now he's gone. And now so. he's gone, there you go. Yeah. So now, because- obviously, all because of me, that's true. Uh, yeah. Obviously, this means the AEW New Japan relationship is going to happen tomorrow, so everybody get very excited for that. Uh, yeah, some of these fucking tweets from people. Finally, finally, <laughs> it's like Darby <laughs> Allen in the best of Super Junior. It's the only good thing that could come of it. Well, people, like, okay, if you look at these tweets, I mean, they're so fucking ridiculous. Of like the the scenarios. First of all, they're almost always people who like AW more than New Japan. It goes without saying. Second of all, they're like the fucking scenarios they lay out are always stuff that like really doesn't benefit New Japan at all and really is all about AEW and their storylines. Yeah. Like, the the one I saw that really was like, oh my god, was like, some guy was like, we can finally get it. Heel Golden Lovers versus Adam... <laughs> Heel Golden Lovers versus Adam Page and Tanahashi on Dynamite. I'm like, wow. why would New Japan... So, okay. So take Kota and Tanahashi, a established tag team in New Japan Pro Wrestling who are both baby faces and split them up for the basis of New Japan storylines and quickly turn Kota Bushi heel so he can have a reunion with Kenny Omega. And by the way, it's on Dynamite. I'm like, okay, sure. That's the thing. I don't, I don't understand how, you know, 
people square away like New Japan's USA stuff because I mean they're already running into issues with like Ring of Honor with this so of course they would run into issues with like AEW which has like bigger touring plans yeah I don't know I mean I it wouldn't shock me if it happened eventually on like you know like some kind of limited basis but like the people who think they're gonna be like best buddies forever now and you know immediately announce like uh, they're merging into one company and all this shit. Just like, I think you're just, uh, you know, it's like wish shit, you know? Like, I could stand here and be like, it'd be like me coming on the air and being like, Tetsuya Naito will be double champion for the next seven years. Uh, he'll be a, he'll be Bruno San Martino style. And like, it, it, it's just what I want to happen. It's not actually anything yeah. that's realistic. So, I don't know. Like, some of the fucking, like, the, the elite people are, like, AW people have, like, the most, like, I don't know, like wish casting as prediction slash, uh, like I've ever saying. I don't know, and I shouldn't say all because like there are plenty of AEW fans that don't give a shit. Like the people on everything elite and stuff, like, like they don't give a fuck if there's a New Japan relationship. But there's like a specific kind of AEW fan that's like very, you know, gung ho about it and has been, basically been asking about it. Like you know, I know Rich Crate when he ever does those Q and As, like he still gets these questions every week like about well what would new japan aw be like and it's like i think he just skips them now because it's like such a yeah. such a boring fucking topic so. yeah i actually think aw is probably better off or like their style is now becoming more distinct as they've like gotten away from just being like oh we're just going to try to be like new japan or try to be like roh like i think them you know hitching their wagons to someone like eddie kingston like it makes them feel like a more unique promotion so even if you are an aew fan like why do you want it to just be like another promote like just watch new japan if you want that right know. it's like i, I don't i don't i don't watch it. I don't watch AEW because I don't really like AEW. Like, I don't really need AEW and New Japan to mix or, you know, it just doesn't, it doesn't really appeal to me at all. So, but I get it. Like, if some, if some AEW fans, uh, you know, want, I mean, some AEW fans really just want that fucking Golden Lovers reunion more than anything else on earth. And, uh, like I said, I think everybody knows, like, the, like I, I don't really have to have the dance around the story anymore because I think it's kind of out there. Like, Bix is tweeting about it and stuff. I mean... There are there's bigger roadblocks if stories are to be believed than just the fact that they're in separate companies, you know. So, yeah. I mean, if I know some people don't think some people think that story is bullshit. I kind of think, you know, that there's enough smoke to that fire at this point that uh, I tend to think it's at least partially true. But you know, talking about the the merch money story from uh, yeah yeah before before they left for AEW. So I don't know. It is what it is. But uh, I definitely don't. I obviously, don't miss like. I mean, the only thing I when I say, when I think about Kenny in Japan, like the only thing I would really like to see is like another Omega Naito match or something. But you know, I'll live. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Omega will a hundred percent, even probably with like AEW's blessing, at some point come back and do a you know New Japan stuff similar to what he did for DDT, and eventually it will be in New Japan's like. Best, you know, to do like almost like a Jericho thing where he comes in for a few dates or something like that. I think that's probably the most likely way that you're going to see a relationship, not some sort of full time talent exchange or anything like to that level. Right. And like, I think eventually, like, you know, talking like 2022 or something, maybe something, something like that could happen. I mean, if people don't know, we're still in the middle of a fucking global pandemic, too. So it's like, even if the two sides wanted to work together tomorrow, it wouldn't really be that easy. But, uh, you know. I don't know. I don't know why we're on this. I kind of think we can move off this stupid topic. So let's talk about the G1 Climax, which uh, just had Night 8, 
from actually not just had it, it was up back on Thursday but look there were no shows between Thursday and Sunday so I saved this one for the uh, for the free recording here but yeah it was from Nagawoka uh, October, Thursday October 1st um, I would say this was one of the weaker shows that you won so far not like a show I hated or anything I mean I, some people seem to really hate it there were you know still a few matches I liked but like um, as far as like a night that like comparing it to some of the earlier ones, I think it was probably the weakest show. The for sure the weakest B block show, uh, probably the weakest show overall. Maybe I'd have to really think about it. I didn't like that A block show that much uh, in Corican because I really didn't like that Shingo Ishii match at all. But uh, yeah, see, I, I I would I would pretty I would disagree with you being this being one of the weakest shows. You know, I think that for me, I have only one match on this whole show below three stars. Mm. Um, you know, spoiler warning, but I think that generally what I like about the B block shows in general is that I just feel like there's a lot of variety, right. even outside of like Yano, you know, Zack Sabre Jr. has been like one of the highlights of the tournament because he just stands out a lot. And, you know, Yoshihashi's run feels like totally different than anything else going on right now. And even like, you know, Naito's matches have been like typical new Japan style, but they've just been like really, really good. So even though, you know, this is, I don't think this show has any blowaways. I think some of the A block shows, while they might have like one match that's really good, you know, typically I feel like the average is just so much worse. Yeah. the So the, like, I, I, I feel like this, this debate has gone on a lot, especially in like the voice of wrestling Slack and stuff. There's basically like two types of new Japan fan, right? Uh, there's a type that like, is just blown away by the A block every night. They're getting like, you know, exactly what they want from these A block matches. And, you know, that's all they really want out of the G1 is just like, you know, all these A block matches. And they don't care about the B block at all because it doesn't have the quote unquote work rate. And, yeah. and I think you and I are probably the other type of fan that really likes the B block, just really likes the wrestlers in the B block. And like, you know, even if it, if it doesn't always have the highest end, uh, you know, quote unquote work rate. Um, you know, we really enjoy like the the personalities and like you know the the differences between the wrestlers and stuff. Like I, I mean, there's a lot of wrestlers in Bebop that I just personally like, even if like you know I'm always gonna kind of be a Hiroki Goto stan, even when yeah. his his shoulder is clearly falling off and he's having to do three minute matches because because of that. Uh, I really like Kenta. Um, I like Sonata, who I know you hate. Uh, I like. Uh, I I'll save it for the main event. <laughs> okay. I like evil. Uh, I don't know. I actually, don't know your feelings on evil, but I, I, well, I I like him a lot more now that he makes the worst people in the world extremely. Angry. <laughs> it's like wow, you're like the Republican of a uh, of New Japan. <laughs> and, look, like... and look, if Dick Togo is attached to you, Dick Togo could be seconding like, you know. Uh, Hitler. <laughs> trying to think of a bad wrestler, but I was like, no, it has to be stronger than that. If Dick Togo is like coming out with you, you know, cutting some promos, looking mean, I'll probably root for you. So yeah, I mean, I get it, but uh, I, I mean, I like Evil. I really like Yoshihashi, especially in this tournament. You know, Tanahashi's been good. Uh, it, I mean, Tanahashi picks the spots at this point, but it's understandable. Uh, you know, I like, and I, and obviously, um, I have a higher tolerance for the Toriano stuff than a lot of other people. The only guy in this tour in the, in the B block that's really annoyed me so far is Juice, but like, it's I don't really blame him. It's just like it's really hard for him to do what he does, I guess, with the clap crowds. But yeah, I just feel like he's been kind of a drag on some of these shows. Yeah, how do you feel about the clap crowds? 
they don't really i mean they don't bother me that much i mean it depends on the i i feel like as long as they're still like doing the clapping enough to like it's not complete silence it doesn't really bother me that much um you know i can i definitely think it bothers other people way more than it bothers me but. Yeah, I, w- I would count myself in that. I think it just it does take a lot away from certain types of meshes. You know, I think like, uh, the you know what I, do you know it. do you know why I really noticed it in Shingo Ishii? Because yeah. that went on forever, and like I knew with like a like with that's why I'm so surprised. Like the A block people are so into this because it's like those type of matches really need like more of a crowd reaction. I think yeah, because so. I mean the crowds love Osprey and they love Shingo and they love like a lot of the guys in that block and you'd think they'd be going insane for these matches yeah so yeah but yeah i mean like it, it depends on the type of match like you said but uh you know um but yeah I and mean, then like you mentioned i mean naito and zach to me are like the two mvps of the entire tournament so far so like it, they're just having outstanding matches pretty much every time out so um but yeah so let's start here with the opener which was a, a young lion match uh yota suji and gabriel k going to a 15 minute time limit draw uh, this was the first of these young line matches that went to a time limit draw. I, I know Joe Joe Lanza uh, was speculating that maybe it's because they had to go so, go so short on Goto and Zach because of Goto maybe having a legitimate injury, which could be possible. Um, it, it was a little, I mean, I guess having to go 15 minutes. It was a little more dull than your average young line match uh, during this tour for a while. Um, but the crowd did get like really into Gabriel Kidd uh, having Suji in that Boston Crab towards the end of it. Um, you know, the countdown of the time limit obviously like really increased the excitement level as well. But I don't know, I saw people saying like this was like a really good match, and to me, I wouldn't even put it as like the, the top tier of the Young Lion matches on this tour. But, uh, you know, just a like I went like three stars on it. It was fine, um, but it just I definitely like some of the other ones better, even though you know, the, the countdown is exciting and all that. Yeah, I think I liked it a little bit more than you. I was probably more in the three and a quarter, three and a half range. But I think the the thing that I liked the most about it was that it felt, you know, I don't know how much notice they got. Yeah, like you said, the Goto match, if that affected things, like how when they knew this was going to be a draw. But it actually builds off of the, you know, the previous Young Lion matches pretty well. And the sort of like how the matches have been ending and then blowing past those as like false finishes. I actually think it sort of, you know, almost tells like a nice little story, which makes me interested, like what they're going to do for the rest of the tour, because it did, you know, a lot of times I feel like a draw like this sometimes when you've had like clear winners for the past matches. So like, OK, well, where do you go after this? Um, but I don't know. I, I, I do enjoy I much prefer these over like having to skip like four tags or like getting caught and be like oh maybe i'll watch a tag and that's always bad <laughs> <laughs> like I, I, a nice like six to seven minute like young line match where i can just you know get caught up in that story i think is much preferable for yeah, me yeah i mean this this is like one of the things where uh, i actually hope they keep it the same after covid because it is a lot it just makes these shows a lot easier to have them i mean i usually just fast forward through all the tags either anyway but i don't have to do that anymore so you know <laughs> it's just easier every day yeah. Uh, match number two, Juice Robinson defeating Toriano in six forty two with a roll up. Um, this was pretty fun. I, I like. I always feel like an idiot, like breaking down Yano matches. It's like, <laughs> like let's go into the work. <laughs> that's not really what they're supposed to be done for. Like, did I? What did it amuse me? It amused me. Um, you know, there was like there was some stuff early on where like Yano was like telling Juice to like he gave him a T shirt. 
and asked him to wear it during the match and then tried to roll him up when he put turned his back to put it on. That was kind of funny. I like sprayed water in his eyes from that spray bottle he has and uh, but Juice kicked out of that roll up as well. And then Juice got like very angry and just like stood up and started shouting like you're an asshole at him, which I thought was funny. Uh, and like ripped his t shirt off and like wiped his ass with it and you know, stepped on it in the ring and Nicole entered the room the moment I said wipe the wiped his ass with it and was very confused. But uh there you go. It was a t shirt, that's what he was doing. Wiping his ass with a t shirt. He's still giving me a look. Uh, but, I, listen, I don't know if that makes it any clearer. Uh, Yano, Yano looked a little hurt, actually, when he was doing that, which is kind of funny. Uh, but yeah, then the tape, where like, Juice yeah. had like hop up and down. Yeah, uh, y- Yano was selling the, you know, selling the eyes, after, or like in the post-match, <laughs> where he's like, I couldn't see anything. So. But yeah, uh, Juice like yelled at him to eat shit and then gave him the left hand to God. Um, but yeah, there you go. The, the, like the only thing I would say, I mean, I get, I gave it three stars. The roll ups at the end were kind of stupid, like they just look kind of slow motion or something. But uh, you know, I was enjoying it until the finish. So, like, who cares about star ratings in the auto match? I give them for yeah. completion's sake. But uh, yeah, but yeah, I mean, like the the Yano matches. The funniest thing about them is how angry people get about them. It's like yeah. they're six and a half minutes long, guys. Who gives yeah. a fuck? And it's, it's like, yeah, I said earlier about B-Block shows. It really does make this, like, the block of variety. And, you know, for me, it's it's not it's not like Yano is having, you know, it was his run, like, two years ago where he had, like, this, the Zack Sabre Jr. match. And, like, the, he had, like, some matches that were, like, actually legitimately great. Oh, when he was, like, and, pretending he was going to do real wrestling? Yeah. Yeah, that was and, really good. Yeah, uh, so this match is definitely more average, but I, I do think that he's been good. I, I really actually really like the, the Sonata match. I think that was like a re- that was a a really fun one. So yeah, and they always have like weird chemistry. I've noticed those two. But uh, yeah, the next match, Hiroki Goto losing to Zack Saber Jr. in three fifty nine with the European Clutch. Oh, I forgot to mention the last match. That was Yano's first loss, which is kind of funny. But yeah, Yano's now three and one, and Juice is also three and one. Uh, this one, meanwhile, Zach got up to two and two and dropped Goto to one and three. Uh, the G. Th- did you see Zach's post match promo, by the way? I did. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> as, a go- as a Goto mark, it really did hurt. Like I appreciate the effort, but it did. It like <laughs> pierced me through my soul. He's like the G, and I can't do it for his accent. He's just like the G and G one stands for Goto, huh? And I just starts laughing and like walking away. Yeah, it's a twenty minute. It's like a twenty second promo because he just walks his brain. That's all he says. And he just laughs. And I know. Uh, speaking of Nicole, she thought that was really funny. But yeah, uh, we start with some cool little chain wrestling. Uh, Zach, you know, of course, like he tried to get an arm breaker on Goto right away, thanks to that big bandage like over his right arm and shoulder. Uh, and Zach, Zach, like went really hard at Goto's injury even after he made the ropes, which. Makes sense. He was, like, stomping away in the corner and, like, shoved the ref down. Uh, Goto came back with the Uzi Goroshi really quickly, which should have been the clue, I guess, that this was not going to go long at all. But he was still selling the bad arm really well. Uh, he went for the middle kick of death, that big charge-up middle kick he does. Yeah. Does that have an actual name? I think it does, right? I can't remember what it is. Oh, no, it's some sort of Dragon Ball Z yeah, spoof. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, Zach rolls him up out of the GTR, and that's it. So, uh, very quick match here. I enjoyed it a lot while it lasted. I went like I get. I guess I'll go three stars again. But I was looking forward to this one a lot. So I was pretty disappointed. It was sub five minutes. I assume, like I said, there's like Goto's real injury was acting up here, and they decided. I mean, he's gonna get a lot of days off after this, so hopefully he's ready to go by Tuesday. But uh, yeah, they, they clearly didn't want to have him doing a longer match here. 
Yeah. Well, considering I, I watched the entire G1 in like the span of like three days, I welcomed very much an extremely short match. Um, but I, I, I really like this. Also, like I said, I think for, you know, if you're doing a four minute match, this is about as good as you can do. So I gave it three and a half. I thought it was like, you know, for the effort and the amount of planning that needs to get, you know, this match from point A to point B yeah. and, you know, get Godo offense too, despite his injury. Um, I think it worked really well. And I think, you know, the best thing I think about Zack Sabre Jr. is that he his matches feel like they can end any time, yeah. which does not really feel the case for like many wrestlers in New Japan at all. Yeah, I think it, that was one of the things that I thought really made Zack and Naito work was like even though that match ended up going like you know twenty seven minutes, there were a lot of points where it felt like it could have ended much sooner, which is not normally the case for those like pushing thirty minute you know New Japan main events. Yeah, a lot, a lot of the longer New Japan matches, you can sort of tell it's like, well, it's not going to end because you're going to at least need to like, you know, like I always think of like evil Okada matches. Like they're going to have some Rainmaker and everything is evil. Like the, the counter just works too well. So they're going to do it a few times. And yeah, a few matches. Uh, Naito has like a few of those too, where, you know, the Destino is just too perfectly countered into a few different moves. They're like, well, we got to do the counter sequence. It's going to yeah. be great. Where, yeah, I, I think Sabre Jr., yeah, not only is it great in this tournament, but you could make a case that, you know, over his career, he's been like one of the best wrestlers in the world. That he might be like a top five ish wrestler in New Japan right now. Yeah, I mean, he's been really, really. I mean, he's one of those guys that, like, when he gets pushed to the background a little bit, because I think he's clearly been positioned as like the number two in his own tag team, that, like, you can kind of forget how good he is. And then once this tournament, I mean, I thought those uh, Dangerous Techers, Golden Lovers matches were all, or Golden Lovers, Golden Aces <laughs> matches were both awesome anyway. Uh, but like just seeing him in this tournament as a singles guy again, it's like, oh yeah, this guy is like actually amazing. So, you know, uh, I know not everybody feels that way. Like people find his matches boring or whatever. It's like, I don't, we just, we watch wrestling for very different reasons, I guess. I don't know. Or if you can't get into like, you know, Zach and Naito exchanging holds, then like, I don't know what to tell you. That's what, that's what I'm here for. So. Yeah, I, I could definitely see, yo. Know... I, I guess I would like to see him maybe move up and do some sort of, you know, whether it's the new the U.S. title or the IC title or something. Give him some sort of like upper card. Well, he was supposed um, to challenge to Moxie for the U.S. title before the COVID thing happened. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I I think that kind of was probably part of the idea too. But I mean, you know, he's been in a bunch of semi-main events with Taichi and stuff. But you know, it's just not used to him being in a tag team, I guess. Yeah. Uh, our next match was Hiroshi Tanahashi. Defeating Yoshihashi in eighteen uh, forty-one with the high fly flow, so Tana goes to two and two, and Yoshi goes to one and three. This fucking rocked! Uh, like this was awesome. And very good. Yoshihashi, I, I mean, okay, I I keep taking a victory lap on this one because I saw so many fucking people complain about him getting picked for this G one, and I just wanted to be like, Yoshihashi is first of all, he's at worst, he's fine. You know, he's not like it's he's not like he's ever actively bad really. The only times ever I can remember him being actively bad, um were like a few tag team matches where he wasn't that great. But like for the most part he's usually fine at worst. And if he gets going and is motivated and I was like, Why the fuck wouldn't he be motivated to be back in his G one after he missed it last year? Uh he can be great. And he's been great. This is his I mean, this is the second four star match I have for him already out of four shows. And like you know, this match and the Evil match were really, really good. And some of his other matches have been really good, too. I mean, the, uh, what was his other match? I don't remember now. The only one I didn't really like was the Sonata one. 
which wasn't that good. Oh, the juice yeah. match, which I gave like three and a half stars. Yeah. So like he's having a great G one. I mean, you know, he's just he's been one of these guys that like people complained about that they uh, should not have complained about because he's really good. So you know. Yeah, I, I I went three and a half on this. I think it maybe went a tiny bit longer than I would want. Yeah, it went almost. It went 19 minutes. But yeah. I actually think that this is probably the you know this is probably going to be Yoshihashi's. I mean, it might be his like biggest moment in the company, depending on what happens in coming years, where he is, you know, he gets this sort of push. He you know he gets to go toe to toe with like a lot of big stars, and you know th- I feel like this if this is his ceiling, then he's like making the most of it. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, he's I, he's a perfect guy to be an underdog, and that's obviously what he's going to be in this G one. And just you know, it's worked really well. I mean, you, you people get like really wrapped up with these blocks, and it's like you don't want like ten guys who are all like you know superstar main superstars. Yeah, yeah. You don't want like ten guys who are all like fucking superstar main eventers because then like you you're telling the same story over and over again, which I think has kind of crept into. The A block, except for like Yujiro, who's Yujiro yeah. and Yujiro's matches have been good for the same reason because he can go out there and play underdog against like Minoru Suzuki, and it just feels like so different from what else, what else is going on in the A block. And here it's like you know, Yoshihashi, you 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 have a guy who can go in there and make a Tanahashi look dominant and really get to you know get behind the story where Yoshihashi is like trying to knock off this main event. It's just a very like you don't want ten guys that are all the same, so. I'm happy to have Yoshihashi here. Yeah. Do you miss the guest people, guest appearances in the G1 at all? Uh, a little, I guess. Uh, yeah. It depends on depends on who we're talking. There have been yeah, some guests. I guess guests, it depends on the guests. There have been <laughs> some guests who have been pretty bad over the years. So. I was just thinking because I'm watching like Mayor Fuji versus Nakajima today and just thinking like, you know, thinking about that G1. But I actually think that sometimes that a lot of people clamor for that, but it sort of prevents you from telling stories like this. Yeah, it prevents you from ever giving someone like Yoshihashi or, you know, even to like Juice or someone on that level or Yujiro. You don't give them anything to do during the year. So it's just like, well, what's the point of having them? If, yeah, this is the the reason you keep them for tournaments like this. Exactly. Uh, The the, notable stuff that they'll have in this match. First of all, Tanahashi, uh, God bless him for selling that stupid butterfly lock like it was like literally killing him because it's like he'll do that for anything i guess because that that hold is so stupid but tanahashi almost made it look good uh and there was like this great little spot too where yoshi like went for the karma but tanahashi basically countered it out of it with like a modified twist and shout just basically threw the dude down yeah. yeah that looked really cool uh but yeah i mean there was a I just I liked his face too when he went for the finish. Like so, he you know they kept trading moves before that. Like Yoshihashi almost threw Tanahashi up when he tried the Texas Cloverleaf. That was an awesome near fall. Uh, and then he ducked the sling blade, hit a pretty great dragon suplex, and just dropped Tanahashi on his head with that, uh, and got his double knees for a two count. Uh, then that like fisherman's buster head drop thing that I think does have a name, but you know to give him a second shout out in this episode, I'm not Andrew Rich. I don't know all these movie names, but yes, yeah, so get that got a two count. Uh, and then Tanahashi, you know, he, like, f- fights out of the karma again. Uh, Yoshi's, like, coming back with this chop and, you know, like, basically chopping him pretty hard. And then Tanahashi hits the sling blade for a two count. And then as he goes up to the top rope, he almost has this look on his face like, I've had enough of, the- enough of this shit. <laughs> like, I gotta put- it's trying to put this dork away, which looked great. Uh, definitely just, he, Tanahashi comes out with some awesome, like, uh, and very appropriate facial expressions. And that one definitely was one of them. And then he hits the standing crossbody high fly flow, then the real one, and that gets the pin. But yeah, I went like I said, I went four stars flat on this. I really liked it. 
just I'm very into the Yoshihashi uh, storyline here. So, you know, I almost wish he hadn't beaten Sonata. I wish he was still 0-4. But, uh, you know, I definitely, definitely am enjoying his run in this tournament. Yeah. Do you know who he faces on the last night? I was wondering if it would be he would be positioned as some sort of spoiler to someone. I don't think he is. I think he's facing somebody who's definitely going to be out of it. But let me double check. Uh, I believe it is. Uh, no, I can't think of it. So let me just wait. Um, he's facing Yano. Well, yeah, he's going to prevent Yano from going to the finals. <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe Yano can still be alive. Uh, chalk another loss for the Yano stands. <laughs> Uh, the semi-main event, Evil defeating Kenta in fifteen forty with the Evil gets him to two and two, and Kenta is now at two and two. Uh, this was a little disappointing to me. I was I was really in- expecting this to be good because I've I've enjoyed both of them in this G one so far. But like, it was pretty boring for a lot of the way. It was like just Evil tossing Kenta shoulder first in the post and stuff. And you know, Kenta selling is Kenta selling was actually pretty damn good. But he's one of these dudes whose character is like such a complete asshole. That it's really, like really difficult for me to watch the match and like you know sympathize with him and be like you know really feel bad for him for getting beat up. It's just like well you know maybe it's different for people who are not uh, Naito stands, but I, it's hard for me to sympathize much with Kenta. But you know this was like a weird one where like the the ref bumps at first were actually kind of like improved the match. I thought like it, it really picked up after the first ref bump where like. You know, Kenta grabbed his big red briefcase, just nailed Dick Togo with it when he asked him to hand it over, which yes. was kind of funny. Uh, and then hit Evil with it too, which I think was the first cheating he's done during this entire tournament so far, which I thought was interesting. Uh, and then got him the double foot stomp and the Bushiaku knee kick, and Evil kicked out. And then Evil, like, almost came back into the role of, like, the value babyface trying to come back from Kenta's cheating at first because he had, the, like, this Darkness Falls and the big Lariat. Just a very different perspective on Evil than we've seen recently. Uh, and then Kenta like, hit this really cool series of slaps right to the face. Just we got the 15-minute mark. Uh, went for the go to sleep. But there, here's where things got stupid. So Dick Togo uh, got recovered and got on the apron. Uh, Kenta throws him in the ring for some reason. Dick Togo tries to low blow him right in front of the ref. And it's like, I don't know why, like, Kenta, just let him do it. That'd be a DQ. Even in this company, it had to be a DQ. And two points. But Kenta blocks it instead, uh, give, tries to go to sleep on him. Uh, Togo grabs Red Shoes from up on Kenta's shoulders, and that lets Evil low blow Kenta from behind and give him the STO for the pin. It's so it's one of these things that's so stupid it almost worked, but like the actual visual of Dick Togo grabbing Red Shoes just looked very dumb. Uh, like from up on the up on Kenta's shoulders. So you know, I don't know. That guy was really getting into it finally down the stretch. Uh, like I said, everything after Kenta grabbed the briefcase. Uh, but the ending was so fucking stupid, I took points off for it. So, like, I went three and a quarter. Yeah, I went, I went, I I liked it even more than you. I did, you know, I didn't have, I would say that Kenta is someone that I have struggled connecting with, although I do think he's been good in this tournament. Um, and I agree that he had some issues, like, trying to play the baby face during the match. But then, like, even as, I thought maybe that they were going to play that in the post-match promo a little bit but he actually you know was just calling the camera guy fat and saying this reason <laughs> for losing um so not i mean not the most baby face position to take i think um but yeah i i think the the finish just really let it down and it, every time i see like dick togo like get involved a lot it just makes me want him in the g1 it's like why isn't this just dick togo versus kenta <laughs> like why why is uh gato doing this to me where it's like these 
you know, we're so close to this. Yeah, we have we have all these other weird matches. Like, why can't we just get Dick Togo on some of these shows? Yeah, I guess it's just not going to happen, but it is notable, yeah. I guess. Uh, the main event of the evening, where well, I guess we'll hear it. You, you did tease us earlier. Uh, Tetsuya Naito loses to Sonata in 27.08 with a moonsault. So Sonata gets his first win. He is now 1-3, and three, and Naito takes his first loss. He's 3-1. and one. Uh, I really like this, except for the end, <laughs> which had issues, uh, which I couldn't really go four stars on as a result. But, you know, I thought it was really fun a lot of the way. I went like three and three quarters. Um, had this been like an, an awesome, awesome match like Naito's had with a lot of other people in this tournament so far. I mean, this was my lowest rated Naito match of the tournament so far. Um, you know, it definitely would have been like a home run show, I guess, because the undercard was, you know, mostly for the, for the most part very enjoyable. But the fact that this was, like, a little disappointing is why, you know, definitely took down the rest of the show to me. Yeah. Well, you know, oftentimes I've definitely called Sonata maybe the worst major league wrestler, (laughs) you know, in the business. You know, definitely very boring. And I have to say, in the words of John Ensman, the New Japan fan rep guy, I was in paradise watching Sonata (laughs) during this match. I, I think I don't know if it... Maybe his effort is the problem that I usually have with him, or maybe Naito just knows him super well from being in the same faction with him, and that's why this match clicked for me. But I thought, I thought, yeah, like you, I think basically until the finish, this match was awesome. Yeah, I think that the, you know, he is not as awkward as you think. You know, I think he can be like fired up. He can show fire that he can have like these more heavy hitting matches like this match had a lot of back and forth. It wasn't just like tons of skull end or anything like that. And it just makes me wonder like why he isn't like this all the time. I think he needs and, somebody else to lay out the match for him, probably because Naito's, yeah. uh, you know, famously like kind of a genius of uh, like match layouts. That's why he got that, uh, you know, like g- the wrestling genius nickname originally. So, you know, I don't know. It's a. Uh, I'm sure he benefited from Naito, you know, being able to bring this match out for him. Yeah, I, I think the finish was just there's so much like awkwardness in trying to, you know, get quite to the finish. I guess it's sort of like the pre-finish, like a few, you know, in the last like two or three minutes. That's sort of where they had some issues, like getting on the same page. By the way, I think I said and- wrestling genius. That's Keiji Muto. I should, should have, of course, said Stardust genius, but there you go. <laughs> Is it Keiji? Yeah. Keiji Muto was wrestling genius, right? Wasn't that his nickname? <laughs> I guess. I mean, I, what, what am I supposed to know? <laughs> I think I the wrestling. Think that. See, I feel like you just made that up. <laughs> I think KG. I, I well, think the, the, rest, the wrestling genius genius is, um, you know, King James Chris Hero. That's the real <laughs> wrestling genius. He has this whole subreddit that's called the Wrestling Genius. That is true. I think I yeah. think that was KG Middle's nickname at one point. Though I think it was like, especially the the like ninety nine through like oh or like two thousand two thousand one like comeback period with like the shaved yeah. head. I think that was like wrestling genius, but anyway, yeah. doesn't matter. I started, wa- I started watching wrestling in 2014, so <laughs> I, mean, I have I have gone back and watched a lot of 90s wrestling, but mainly just like rings. <laughs> so it's just yeah, you know, it's not the same. It's not my forte. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think that despite the awkwardness, like most of the early parts of the match were super good, and yeah, I think even. You know, it got over Sonata having like maybe the worst finisher out any. I mean, I think the Skoland, honestly, I think changing that could make. I mean, it could make all of his matches better. I think it really could make like that level of difference. The amount that he leans on is like a transitional move or something to set up his finish, and the fact that it always looks terrible. I mean, even just a small change like that, I feel like could go a long way for him. I agree. Yeah, for sure. 
Um, there was like a there's one spot I wanted to call it in particular because it's one of these spots that I that maybe was even too brutal for the spot in the match. Like Sonata at one point they're on, they're fighting the top rope and Sonata drops down behind behind Naito and like drop kicks him right into the fucking post shoulder first. It just looks so brutal. Like one of those really yeah. insane Naito bubs. Uh, and then Sonata gives him like this. I was going to ask for your opinion on this move because I couldn't tell if this looked cool or not. But Sonata gave him like a neck breaker across his knee with both of them jumping off the ropes. Uh, Naito saw it like he was shot. So that helped a lot. Yeah. But I couldn't actually tell if the move looked cool or not. I think it's the first time Sonata's ever yeah. done it. I don't think I haven't watched it back in like slow motion or anything, but I liked it live. I, I you know, I like any move that feels like it has like a big impact. Yeah. Even if it's based, you know, half of the wrestling moves that even like huge wrestling moves are basically just like. It's the person who's selling it just throwing themselves <laughs> on the ground. That's like what wrestling is. Yeah. So I, I feel like looking into the minute details of a move to be like, well, actually, he's DTDing himself when he does this. <laughs> it's like, it's just, that's for nerds. Don't do that. Yeah. Cause like a lot of moves, I mean, it's really noticeable, obviously, when there's a botch and like when the, the timing's off because somebody uh, might actually like just end up. Like, I I can't remember what matches happened. I don't think it was this one. But, like, there was a spot with a DET recently. It might have been Suzuki and Cobb or something. Where, like, one of them went down way before the other. Uh, and you could just tell, like, it was a guy just flinging himself down to get DET'd. But, yeah. Um, you know, Naito just started destroying Sonata with these back elbows. I love the back elbows that Naito does now. It's, like, the rawest yeah. addition to his arsenal. Because, like, he, he does that with that rich cost to... Rich, Wrist clutch, too. And, like, you know, it, it just looks so brutal. And he gave the audience a nice little, like, evil smirk here in between. Like, yeah, I'm killing your hometown boy. Who gives a shit? Yeah. Um, also, that, that he hasn't, Naito hasn't tried that Esperanza thing uh, for a while. I think not since the evil match of Jingu when they botched it real bad. It looked awesome here. Like, yeah, I think and- if Sanaya took that better than anybody else has taken that so far. Yeah, I think Naito's offense is just, like, so smartly put together. And it's clearly just been refined, like, over the years. But I think, you know, post his heel turn, this is, like, my, you know, it's probably my favorite since, like, the initial run in terms of his moves are all so impactful now. He just, like, he's those knows how to chain everything together and yeah this is, like, what I want out of, like, Sonata to have, like, this type of, you know, you never think of, like, Sonata's moveset as like high impact or anything he yeah. needs to take some take some notes from naito and just diversify a little bit yeah uh and naito did like this cool like running inverted det that was set up destino style but was not a destino that i thought was pretty cool i don't know if i've ever seen him do that before uh and then sonata like countered the real destino into a tko in midair that looked awesome yeah that was awesome uh, but yeah, so then we get, uh, the, you know, the, the finish, like I said, the problem here was, uh, you know, was like the final fucking, you know, the big botch was around the 25 minute call. He goes for running Destino, uh, you know, Sonata kind of like freezes and, you know, just kind of fucks up. But, uh, you know, what are you going to do? But yeah, I mean, like Naito, you know, at one point he goes for Valentia and Sonata countered with like this knee to the head in midair. That looked pretty good. And then Sonata got a counter Destino on Naito when Naito went for Valentia. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands. And are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Valentia again. So everything else after that, you know, running Destino was good. But, like, yeah, I mean, I, I went decided to go three and three quarters because, like, it was just a little too botched at the end for me to go four stars. But I did really enjoy it, so. 
Yeah. It, yeah. One of the things you said that was interesting to me too was Naito. I mean, obviously playing more heelish in this match, but I don't know if he's uh, his post match promo. He was like going full, full baby face. Yeah. He, it was maybe one in terms of his post match promos, like one of his most flat out like white meat baby face promos I've seen, which I was pretty surprised by like after that match. But I think it's also just to give Sonata like the shine a little bit. Yeah. To give, yeah. But, uh, and Na- Naito's next match is Yoshihashi. I cannot wait for that. I'm, uh, I'm actually, I'm, I'm kind of mad it's not the main event, but what are you going to do? Semi main. But, uh, all right. So let's update the B block standings here. Uh, we have a tie for first place with Juice Robinson, Toriano, Tetsuya Naito, all tied for first, three and one, six points. Uh, Tanahashi, Zack Sabre Jr., Kenta and Evil, all two and two for four points. And then tied for last. Goto, Yoshihashi, and Sonata, all one and three for two points. So we'll see who gets on a run now here as we're about halfway through, you know, four out of the nine matches. Uh, I Also, do you have like a top ten list for your favorite matches or anything or no? I don't have it off the top of my head, but I would say that, you know, for me, the only match of the G1 so far that I would consider a sort of like match of the year contender is probably Ibushi Ishii, mm. um, which no surprise there. I really like their match, you know, their last match, their last G1 match. Um, I, I just think that's worked really well. Um, and an eight, I would say it's an eighth place for me. but Yeah. And I would say outside of that, the other match that I would say is also like either just a shade below match of the year, or like right on that would probably be the Naito Zack Sabre Jr. match. That's my number two match. You didn't like Naito Tanahashi? No, I, I liked it. I, I gave it four stars, but like okay. I'm a, I'm a tough star raider and you know, but okay. like I said, I, I would say that. And then, um, yeah, probably I, I actually really liked, um, one of the Suzuki matches. I think, I, I think it was Suzuki Yujiro. I don't know why. I think it's Suzuki Taichi. That was awesome. Oh, I gave that four uh, stars. Yeah. So yeah. let me go through my top 10 real quick. Uh, so, 10th place and 9th place, both 4 stars. Uh, Yoshihashi versus Evil from night 4 in 10th place. And then Taishi versus Suzuki from night 3 in 9th. Uh, then 8th through 4th are all 4 and a quarter. So 8th place, Ibushi versus Ishii from night 5. Uh, 7, White versus Shingo from night 1. 6, Okada versus Taiji from night 7. The only Okada match I think I have higher than 3 and a quarter so far. Taiji oh. saved Okada's G1. Yes, that is true. The only Okada match I have higher than three and a quarter so far. Uh, Kenta versus Zack in fifth place in eight six. Uh, Suzuki versus Ishii from night one in fourth. And then my top three, uh, Ibushi versus Jay White from night three. I went four and a half. Second place, Naito versus Zack from night four. I went four and a half. And first place, Naito and Tanahashi from night two. I went four and three quarters. So... Uh, the, the, I would, Naito Tanahashi is definitely like third place on my match of the year list. I think I put Naito and Zack on my match of the year list too. I think I put like sixth or seventh. So those are two. Those are the two matches that are, uh, I guess, match of the year level so far for me in the G one. So yeah. More importantly, for the standings for the uh, Voices of Wrestling G one pick'em, I'm tied for thirty fourth, but basically tied for like third. I have twenty eight <laughs> points and doing great. Uh, sadly, if you know. Hopefully, I'm not doing too well because I did pick Will Ospreay as my winner <laughs> um, through some roundabout uh, dumb logic. Uh, so if that happens and I win, you know, I'll just probably be more upset at myself for what I wrought. <laughs> uh, and I guess the other thing I can update really quick is the average star ratings for everybody since we're about halfway through. 
So probably no Are surprise. Are you logging on to the Grapple app? Or <laughs> no, no. Where we're I, have, I have a spreadsheet. Okay, The cage a, match inmates. A, a spreadsheet. <laughs> so I have, uh, no surprise to most people probably, I have Naito in first place with a four and a quarter average rating so far. So just killing it so far. Second place, a bit surprising. I have Jay White in second with a four-star average rating. I've really enjoyed him so far in this G1 uh, other than that Okada match. Uh, and then third place, I have a tie between Zach and Taichi, both at 3.88. So, oh, and Tanahashi, too, also at 3.88. So those are, that's pretty much, oh, let's say, a fifth place person. Or no, I guess that would be, like, yeah, three through fifth. Okay, so that's enough. I don't have to go through everybody. But uh, if you're wondering who my bottom guy is so far, uh, I guess it's Yano at 2.75, but really, who cares about Yano? So let's say uh, Yujiro, 2.94. And then Okada at 3.06. I was really hoping Okada would be last. <laughs> no, Okada's like third to the bottom with 3.06. He probably was last before that Taichi match, but I really, really like that Taichi match, so it kind of saved him. Because I really, I hate his first three matches. I mean, I get it. It's a storyline, blah, blah, blah. But, like, they were just crappy matches. Just yeah. not at all enjoyable to watch, you know. So my issue with that, the whole thing where it's like, well, Okada is having bad matches because it's part of the story. It's like, well, wasn't isn't every match part of a story? <laughs> like, it doesn't mean you have to be bad. I mean, you can work more slow or more methodical, but it doesn't mean you have to work bad. Like, that's not the same thing. Yeah, I, I, don't... I mean, I after the Taichi match especially, I almost want to give, like, as much blame to the opponent as Okada because it's like... Like, Okada and Taichi made that style of match work for what they're trying to do, with yeah. Taichi beating the shit out of Okada's back and Okada selling throughout and not having to do a ton, and then, you know, finally coming back and figuring out a way to win with that, uh, you know, what's it called, the uh, money clip. But, like, I don't, I didn't feel like Ibushi or Jay White did a very good job of structuring a match around that and making it interesting and making it entertaining. Now, maybe it also was the fact that this was, like, this one was third from the top on a Corican and not, like the main event like those Ibushi and white matches were. I'm pretty yeah. sure it was much shorter. I just want to double check that before I talk it on my ass, but I think it was like under 20 minutes, which I'm sure helped. Yes, it was 17.03, which to me was like, that's like the ideal amount of time to have this type of match where Okada's just going to like sell and sell and sell and sell yeah. and then come back and win. Whereas like, you know, the the Jay White match, well, it was only a little bit longer, 18.48. So I can't really play the match length there. That match just was boring and kind of stupid. Uh, yeah, and the, the Ibushi match, I'm sure, was longer, though. Yeah. Okada yeah. and Jay White have such a weird, like, ups and downs, because I almost I almost exclusively don't like, like, any of their matches. But then, like, one of their G1 matches is super good, and their match at Wrestle Kingdom that's, like, only, like, 15 minutes long, like, owns. So it's just, like, I don't understand why their matchup can only be great or terrible. Yeah, because the MSG match sucked, too. Yeah. But yeah, like the, the, the Tokyo Dome one was, was awesome. And I, I did really like that G1 match too. I think the, I know you're, the 2018 one. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, I don't know. I mean, I, I hope Okada picks up from here, but we'll see. I mean, he's in like lower profile spots for a little while, which might help him like up on the next card, which we'll talk about in a second. He's third from the top again. So I think he probably will. Just the style he's working right now probably benefits from being a lower profile spot than, you know, instead of being a main event all the time. So, yeah. Uh, so the next show, October 5th in Takamatsu, tomorrow as we're recording this. Again, that will be covered on the Omakase Patreon. Uh, Patreon.com slash Wrestling Omakase. The opener is Yuya Uemura versus Gabriel Kidd. This is like the only pairing of the Young Lion matches that I feel like is kind of lacking in chemistry so far. Like, Suji and Uemura obviously are like these 
big young line rivals and you know suji and kid have this feud going on and Rimura and kid kind of have nothing so i've yeah. definitely noticed it compared to the other two pairings so yeah that's why i was like wondering it's like how are they going to do the young line matches going forward because i you know when you build to like a climax like a big draw i feel like a lot of times for a young line feud that's like the end or it's something that sets up like a future story so it's just yeah what's going to go on with the young lines from here on out uh, maybe they'll just try to tell like a new story from scratch with different opponents so. yeah maybe match two shingo takagi versus yujo takahashi uh shingo's got two points and yujo still looking for his first win uh, now the only person still looking for his first win since the Nada won. Uh, match three, Jeff Cobb at two points versus Jay White at six. That could be pretty good, actually. That could A match that could be sneaky good, even though Cobb has been very uneven so far in the G1. Uh, yeah, I could, I, could, I could see that working, especially, you know, I, I don't know. I don't think they, no, they were never like in ROH or anything the first time. I don't know if they've ever wrestled before. Yeah, I don't think so. Yeah. Uh, match four, Okada at four points against Minoru Suzuki at uh, six points. I really liked their match at, uh, what's it called last year? The Royal Quest, the UK show. Thought that, yeah. was, pretty, thought that was pretty awesome. Uh, these two these two usually have really good matches together with one giant exception. That fucking new beginning uh, yes. title match. <laughs> Every single... One match I think it was from last year that people didn't like as much. I really liked. Yeah. So I think I I almost exclusively like this matchup except for that super long boring title match. Yeah, where like Suzuki worked on his leg for twenty minutes and Okada was like, "Time to do some giant leaping drop kicks." And it's like, okay, but yeah, that's their only bad match pretty much. Like all their G one matches are usually really good. Uh, you know, their other title matches and stuff and their twenty thirteen feud. Uh, so there you go. The semi main event. Uh, Tomohiro Ishii at two points against Taichi with six points. Uh, this should own. They've had really good matches together, you know, all last year. So, very excited for this one. I yeah, I think you... I, I think the show in general, like, you know, pretty much every match has potential. Even you know, Shingo is someone that I've struggled to connect with a little bit this year, and getting him in like maybe a shorter match where he's just going to beat up someone instead of trying to do like a twenty-minute like sprint around bomb fest. Uh, I think that could be good for him, too. So, yeah. yeah. And then the main event, Kota Ibushi and Will Ospreay both at six points. The type of match, I'm sure there's a certain type of fan that, like, is counting down the moments until that match starts. Yes, there, there, there are people soy-facing just reading this <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, uh, I don't know. I'm, I, I just rewatched their match, uh, for, again, on the Patreon for the five matches G1 episode. I did with Chris Sampson, their G1 match last year, and, like, I'm not going to sit here and tell you it was bad, but it was, like, way more underwhelming than I remembered. So, you know, I guess we'll see. Yeah, well, I like their... Yeah, they worked at the Tokyo Dome, right? I'm not just imagining yeah. that. Yeah, I like that match. Um, but I think Will Ospreay, in general, he's, like, working differently in a bad way. I think since coming up as a heavyweight, he's almost doing these more... He was doing, like, more of, like, trying to be the New Japan main event style, when that is, like, not what he's good at. He's good at just being, like, a dumb, flippy guy. He should just be like the were the best possible version of like facade, but he chooses <laughs> to try to be like a, some sort of smart worker, and that's my problem with him. Yeah, I don't know, and it's just like there is just like an exhaustion for me with him in general, with all the other stuff too. So it's like yeah. I'm not that definitely does affect my. Well, you know, perception. along with Donald Trump, I think we can officially say we also do wish death upon Will <laughs> I'm not. I am yeah. not gonna. Also, we're also officially that endorsing that. I'm not gonna co-sign that one. 
the trump one, we, the trump one is fine but I'm not put that put that on the patreon episode so then it's just yeah you have a mo- little more legal help there uh so yes uh, obviously what was this a uh, a parody 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 yeah so, parody in Fortnite. yeah uh the there you go so that's new japan we can move over to noah now for the noah n1 victory um so yeah this has been a really good tournament as well i would say maybe it has not reached the absolute highs of the g1 but like a ton of stuff you know that i had in the four star range so you know there were like two nights that were kind of crappy that you could easily skip uh the night the two single cam ones uh night two and whether you want to call it night five or night six depending on uh, how you yeah because yeah, of that double header but yeah the, the two single cam shows really were not worth watching at all very easily skippable but the rest of the shows were all really fun so you know if you haven't been caught up catching up with it or keeping up with it definitely a lot of fun stuff in the end one and i'll go yeah, through think... my i'll go through my top 10 matches after we talk about this well thanks for telling me to prepare my top 10 <laughs> before. it's not like you host a professional podcast or anything <laughs> There must be all the efforts going to the Patreon episodes now. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, th- I think the tournament hasn't really produced any match of the year contenders or anything. But yeah. I think in general, there's Donald. There's basically nothing bad. Everything pretty much bottoms out at like average, which helps a lot. And you know, even though I think that the Noah heavyweights, like you know, there could be a few. There might could be a few shakeups. Could be nice. Yeah, you know, I think having Mochizuki in and having Sakuraba in and having them both work like pretty distinct styles i think that did help a lot with the variety yeah so the show we're talking about here is the the final block show from cork and hall uh just last night on october 4th it was actually no well today sunday october 4th in japan but it was at 11 30 a.m start time so one of those awesome shows i can actually watch live at 10 30 eastern so definitely it was up to me all japanese wrestling shows have at 11 30 a.m start time so i greatly appreciate it uh, the opener was in the B block, Shuhei Tanaguchi defeating Yoshiki Inamura in 4:36 with a uh, face kick, and that moved him up to two and three. And Inamura dropped or finished 0 and five winless, as I think a lot of people kind of thought he would. Mm-hmm. Um, this was like again for for a under five minute match. This was a lot of fun. I mean, they started out by just running right at each other. Uh, Madman Tanaguchi just like clubbering in Amura as hard as he can with these double sledges and elbows, then dropping him right on his head with the German suplex. Uh, and then in Amura, like, you know, he rolled out of the way of a, some punt kicks, only for Tanaguchi to take his head off of the lariat. Uh, be a very quick and brutal match. Ends with the running punch from Shuhei for the pin. Uh, three and a quarter for me. I thought this was quite a bit of fun while it lasted. And one of these matches that makes you wonder. Like how these Noah guys wake up in the morning. <laughs> like what they must yes. feel like. Because they beat the shit out of each other. Yeah, I, I went three stars on. I think this is definitely the type of match that I want to see more on. Not only Noah shows, but tournament shows in general in you know Japan. Just because I think having these super short, like either whatever you call them, sprints or even just like short matches or squashes. I think they really do add a... They make the other matches stand out a lot. And I don't think that the the main events and like the big matches on this show i don't think they hit as hard if the top first two matches aren't like five minutes long yeah that's that's fair match two manabu soya in the a block defeating kazushi sakuraba in 557 uh so sakuraba drops to two and three and soya goes to two and three uh this was another short match but like 
even more fun in the opener. You know, it's Sakuraba's grappling versus the the big meat boy Soya. Uh, there was this this spot that was like one of my favorite spots on either show, where like they go to do a test of strength, as you've seen in wrestling matches a million times over, but it's a fucking trap from Sakuraba to like take him down to a triangle. Yes. I thought it was so awesome. Uh, and Soya, his selling when Sakuraba got his key lock on before he was able to make the ropes to break. Awesome selling from, so- from Soya. Yeah, I loved that. Uh, Sakuraba tries to get it right back on, uh, but Soya like reverses to a cover, and that's the pin. Sakuraba, as you've seen other times, just forgot there were pins, I guess. But yeah, I mean, like, super enjoyable while it lasted. I went three and a half, uh, pretty much, almost entirely for that test of strength trap spot, which, so, which is so awesome. Yeah, I also I also went three and a half. I thought I think that Sakuraba in general, you know, like you know, like with what we've been talking about, you know, with all of these matches, variety is just so important in these tournaments. And Sakuraba just having this feeling where he can just tap people out instantly and you know, he can go after your leg or your arm or anything and just instantly make it into like the nastiest looking hold in the world is just why he's in this in this tournament, even though he's like completely washed. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, it still makes it still makes like most of his matches worth watching because yeah. he is doing something completely different. And Soya I've like really enjoyed this tournament, you know, coming in with, you know, the the red hair and so it's been He looks know, so I, different from what he used to look like in exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It looks his like new a Looks like a totally different wrestler. So. Yeah, but I, I, I really, I think that he's really stepped up in the tournament. I, I think most of his matches. I really, actually, I think the Nakajima match was on the last show. Yeah. Was on one of the single camp shows. I like that a lot. Uh, the third match here, uh, Masaki Mochizuki losing to Manabu uh, or to Masa Kitamiya in nine twenty three at the Saito Suplex. Uh, an awesome finish, as we'll get to in a second. But that brings Kitamiya to two and three. It dropped Mochizuki to two, two and one, and eliminated him for the tournament because he. So he would have had a, a scenario where if he had won, and then if uh, Kaito had won the main event, which did happen, of course, they would have tied to uh, went on top of the A block and would have had to do some kind of wacky playoff. But getting pinned here eliminated him and made the main event a straight up uh, winner moves on, which I kind of figured would happen. But yeah, uh, this match was basically like you know Mochizuki's kicks versus Kitamiya's suplexes. Uh, and it came to, like, a really abrupt end when Kitamiya, like, caught Mochizuki on the middle rope going for the Sankakagari and just gives him the Saito suplex off of there for the pin. It looks so awesome. I thought there was another really fun, but you know, on the short side, but a really fun match. I went, like, three and a half on this. Yeah, I, I enjoyed this a lot, too. I think that um, Mochizuki, even though he wasn't, like, my MVP of the tournament, I think he was pretty good. And this is also the time of the night where I like started to notice merchandise because there's someone holding up a uh, Dragon Gate scarf when he came out, which first of all is betraying Noah wrestling uh, <laughs> by doing that. But then right next to them was someone wearing like a David Starr independent shirt, which <laughs> is, is just a just a bad move in October of 2020. Well, they don't know. I don't know. Maybe they haven't heard. Maybe the news didn't travel. I mean, I've heard that like a ton of Japanese fans have no idea what the fuck people were talking about when it comes to osprey i can only imagine how hard it must be to like parse this with like your you know like maybe low level english slash relying on auto translator figure out what the fuck people are talking about yeah so. well it makes me afraid like what do i not know about japanese wrestling exactly like, Suge texting minors or something <laughs> yeah. like if anything could happen the only it, like what's it called jim breakthrough that guy from uh fucking heat up that was like oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah that was like doing shit with minors so like Hopefully that would break through if something like that happened, but yeah, I don't know. 
I think we have enough like multilingual Japanese wrestling fans that maybe uh, you know that kind of stuff does make it through to us. But I don't know. There probably yeah, is I stuff met- that we're missing. Yeah, imagine if you never heard and someone told you today about like the Dragon Gate monkey. <laughs> <laughs> like you just find out like five years later. Yeah, it must be so weird. Uh, the next match, another tournament match here in the B block. Takashi Sugera defeats Kano in 1604. They referee stop, uh, front neck lock. So Sugera goes to 3 1 and 1 with 7 points. Kano goes 3 and 2 with 6 points and is eliminated. Uh, it left Sugera alive because if Marufuji, uh had, could beat Nakajima in the last B-block match, they would have tied and again had to go to a wacky playoff, uh, but eliminated Kendo since now Sugera had one more point than he did. Um, but yeah, this was a, this match was, again, a lot of fun. Um, you know, I thought the, the like the highlight to me was that corner cam for Sugera's big superplex, oh, yeah. which, like, that looked awesome. Uh, and at one point, they also just traded, like, some really nasty-looking German suplexes and, you know, I'm a mark for a good German suplex. So I thought, I, again, like, I am probably sound like a broken record, but this is another three and a half star match for me. I thought it was very good. Yeah, the, uh, you know, having the corner cam where it's just like, here's just a nice shot of Segura's body for a few seconds while he does the stalling <laughs> thing. It's like, it, yeah, that really is the ideal use for it. Um, but yeah, I, I think that, yeah, I, re- I really enjoy this. Segura is one of my favorite wrestlers ever, so I'm pretty much always going to uh, enjoy him. But, you know, I, I was thinking, you know, one thing I was thinking today is like Kano could use a different look, the sort of bowl cut look. He looks like a uh, a fan of like, you know, Young Lean or like Blade, like that type of white rapper crowd. He's just I think he just needs to change up. He's a little hype beast right now. The red I see, leather I, pants. I really like Kano's look because he looks like to me, he looks like some kind of like weird edgelord or something. And I think it kind of works. It's like he's this incredibly serious man. It's like he is the exact opposite of, uh, you know, it doesn't have any humor at all to him, which I know some people don't like. But, like, I don't know. I like I, I like having a guy that can know around who's like, he's like, you will not disrespect me or pro wrestling Noah. And is very, like, I don't, to me, it matches his, his persona. So. Yeah, he he just he looks like the type of person who would go to McDonald's just to order the Travis Scott meal, <laughs> like that type of person. So. He looks like he, I mean, he looks like he's hanging out at a hardcore show or something. So I I don't know, it, it works I think, but yeah, uh, match was great. <laughs> the next match was the Junior Rumble. Now, uh, I got I heard some complaints from people. People hated this match. Wow. I like You're I know wrong. I mentioned. <laughs> I mentioned uh, Manabu earlier. He really hated this match. There's some other people who uh, really hated this match. Now, if you're just um, parachuting in to Noah, I could see why you might not like this because, um, you know, it, it, it just seems like a bunch of guys doing a bunch of stuff probably. If you're deep in the Noah lore and you're like, you know, it's like, oh, all the Rattels are starting out here. It's a oh, Rattels yeah. reunion. And then Ogawa just fucking walks out at one point because... Yes, all of these things that undeniably own and are awesome. Like, <laughs> these people, they might be controversial, but those people are wrong. These are all great. He just walks out of the match because he doesn't give a shit. And the announcers are like, well, Ogawa banned the match. Let's move on. <laughs> He's just an old man who doesn't give a fuck about a battle royal and just he was the first elimination. He just left. Yeah. It was like what it was so good. Ohara like what I, the other thing I liked was how hard Ohara went at Kotoge when he came in. And like them in the same unit for the two seconds they were both in full uh full throttle was yeah. always weird as hell to me. 
because they you know they had the long fucking feud yeah exactly they have like a blood feud and then it's like well we need someone for this unit so get in here <laughs> yeah so like Kano and Ohara obviously against uh, uh, Momono's Seishin Tag and like it, it was just so stupid they were in the same unit so I'm glad that that was rectified you know it just didn't you know, it would have been like, I don't, did the Rock and Roll Express guys ever team up with the Midnight Express guys? It would have been like the Noah equivalent of that. So, you know. Um, but yeah, this match was pretty fun, I thought, most of the way. There was like one very sloppy exchange between Yohei and Daisuke Harada that stuck out in my mind before they both got eliminated by Kotoge. Uh, so... And by the way, what the fuck, Kotoke? <laughs> like, you yeah, just exactly. got... That was really strange. You just got back together with this man. You just eliminate him like nothing to just to get at Yohei? I don't understand. But yeah, Kotoke, yeah. Kotoke got the win. Uh, it was a fun match. I don't usually rate Battle Royals, but, uh, you know, it was a good time. Yeah, I, I I think it was a little odd that it's the longest match on the show. Yeah. I think maybe it could have been a little bit shorter. That could be why people... Like, it, it probably just felt very long to people who don't have any emotional impact with the noah junior division and they just want to get back to the m1 matches yeah uh, but you, you get like the retail sequence you get like the congo sequence like you get all these different units yeah and the all congo that. thing was so fun with the three of them yeah exactly them. i love that uh, but a poor ponder Sawa just getting like the shit beat <laughs> <laughs> it's hilarious no Sawa is like in the it, it's he never gives a shit he's like he's booking this allegedly and he always makes himself look like the biggest moron it's yeah. pretty fucking funny yeah, but, yeah. i think I think the Noah Juniors, you know, I said at the top of the episode, the Noah Juniors are like actually my favorite part of the promotion. And I think there's just, you know, if you hate fun, I can see you not liking them. <laughs> but it's just like they have such a weird collection of guys who. Kasayashi is there now. Exactly. It's like, exactly. What the fuck? It's just like it's just like all these like castoffs and like random guys and units that are just sometimes completely random and like <laughs> they, people are turning on each other all the time. They had that diagram at one point in the mat in the match. I'm like, well, that's going to be different probably by the time of the match. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Someone's turning on someone. Uh, that that sequence of the last Corkin. I know people got mad and hated it, but I was like, this fucking rocks. What is exactly. wrong with you? It's like here comes full throttle. It's like there were like three turns in that one. <laughs> like first, I think Yohei turned on uh, Yohei turned on Harada, which I was yeah. like, "Good for you, Yohei. Why the fuck are you guys still team me up together if Rattels is over anyway?" Exactly. Yeah, and then, was- <laughs> so that one made perfect sense. Then Kotoge comes out to help Harada, and it's like, okay, this one makes sense too. You guys, you know, broke up originally because Kotoge was going heavyweight, so. You know, I mean, he, he's been back in the junior division since last year. Might as well get back together. Uh, but then Full Throttle comes out. Yoshioka yeah. and Ohara just like, you know what? Fuck you, Kotoge, for getting back together Harada. We don't want him in the group. So they turn on him. And they're like, you know what? This Yohei guy, he seems pretty cool. And that happens all in the one. That all happened in like five minutes. Everything yeah, I just described. Yeah, it's so weird because if you think about it, it's like they don't talk over anything. Like, it's just the, the language is fists. It's just like there's yeah. no talking. It's just constant combat. Yeah. The, the setup for this must have been, you know, what happened backstage to lead to this moment? <laughs> but yeah, like the only junior unit that ever stays stable, I feel like, is fucking the juniors and Sugira gun. Like, that's yeah. about it. Like, everybody else just like constantly jumping and going around and like. And I, was like, I, I get it. I get that it could be hard to keep track of this shit, but it is a lot of fun. Uh, so there you go. But yeah, that's our that's our Noah Junior talk, I guess. Uh, and there's some matches on the final show too, so that'll be uh, you know a pair of title matches should be fun. Yeah, I definitely think those are going to be a highlight. Uh, the semi-main event in the N1, the opposite of a highlight, 
Katsuhiko Nakajima defeating Naomi Marafuji in 1625. Uh, Nakajima wins the B-block with 4-1. Marafuji ends at 2-2-1. I don't know, man. Uh, I just can't deal with these Marafuji matches anymore. Just... Uh, listen, this is, this, you sound like me talking, you know, throughout his entire career. <laughs> <laughs> I used to like him, but, like, he just doesn't give a fuck anymore. I mean, like, you're in the semi-main event, a match to decide the B-block in the tournament, and it's like uh, with the guy you worked, the you know, guy you worked before. Yeah, you know, and it's like let's you... let's do like ten minutes of slow motion arm work. Why not? And then Nakajima like repeatedly doing his fucking corner choke thing. Sure didn't pick up the pace either, so he's not off the hook here either. But yeah, I I think that it's it's just not the type right type of match. And I think you know when I saw when I like opened up the. A Bima player and saw that it was like on the shorter side. I was like, oh, that's probably yeah, fifteen minute match. Like that sounds pretty like a, a great choice for this type of match. Like maybe they'll just do a sprint. Maybe Nakajima will just kick him really hard and they'll be over. And then to work like this super methodical, like weirdly paced match where Mayor Fuji does like nothing. You know, yeah, it's it, was, it just didn't didn't seem like a great choice. I I will say the one thing that I um. Yo, know, I liked is that Nakajima was working under a little bit, especially early on, uh, which he's been working sort of like over a lot of people yeah. this tournament, just like kicking the shit out of people. I mean, um, I didn't think the match was horrible. I mean, I get two and three quarters, but like, you know, cause it was pretty much all for the sequence where, Mer- where Nakajima like ducked all of Marifuji's signature kicks and then like answered with this awesome spinning Uranage. That woke me up a little bit. And the end where he just finally kicked Marifuji's ass and fished him off clean was pretty damn good but like that was it though like those are the highlights of a otherwise very boring match so that that kept it from being like i don't know like below two and a half for me but like that's about it so yeah if this wasn't nakajima this would be like a one-star match against like most opponents because bear fuji is just in total cruise control yeah he just doesn't give a shit uh the main event kaito kiyomiya defeating goshi ozaki in 2407 so go finishes with three and two with six points and kaito Wins the block at 3-1-1 one, one for 7 points. Uh, he's the A block representative, as they say. Um, this was really good, but, like, just not up to the level of that January 4th match. I kind of figured it wouldn't be, especially with Go doing that whole arm storyline and, like, you know, definitely played into those matches you would expect. Although not quite as much as I expected to. Yeah, I, I had that exact same note that I've expected the arm story to be, like, the focus of the match. And it's really only, you know, there's a few points where he's grabbing at the arm, but... Yeah, towards the end of the match, he's like hitting lariats and like yeah. showing no effects. That was a little strange. Yeah, um, and there was like a weird sequence early on too, where they struggled to get on the same page for a little bit, which you wouldn't really expect for these two. Especially yeah. like I said, after the, I mean, their match earlier was just my number two match of the year so far. So, you know, this was not close to that level, but it was still pretty awesome. Um, you know, especially down the stretch where like Go is like doing these awesome standing lariats. Like there was one where he he like killed Kaito and Kaito kicked out like two point nine nine nine. And it was a great fucking kick out because like he, he didn't do like a big dramatic kick out. He just like yeah. barely rolled his shoulder his, like, off the mat. Yeah, his arm was like one inch off of the mat. That was awesome. <laughs> it was awesome. I mean, we don't get enough of those kind of kickouts anymore. He still looked dead. The, the, the crowd even gasped. You know, they were like, ah, even though they're not supposed to. So I thought that was great. Um, but yeah, he Kaito finished him with a tiger suplex hold. Uh, I went four stars on it. I thought it was really good. Great main event, but you know, not up to the level of their, you know, match of the year level match. He's, you know, yeah. like four and three quarter star match from January 4th. 
So yeah, I also went four stars. I, you know, sometimes I forget how much we agree on stuff because of our <laughs> feuds over the minute details of certain wrestling promotions. Um, but I think Kaito has just turned a corner. I think at this point, you just have to talk about him like he's one of, you know, one of the best young guys in Japan because he's he's By someone who, who the fuck yeah. is even close exactly he <laughs> just he, he did frustrate me a lot early in his career where I would like certain matches and then you know it seemed like he could only work one type of match for a while where he could only get battered and then come up and for a last minute comeback and now I think he's just a complete wrestler you know he definitely works over go for big portions of this match and it like totally works and it's totally believable but he also like gets beat up super well too yeah and i think he's just you know fully come into his own and you know i think you could you know even though you could say his like title run was like maybe too early or something i think it told one story and now i think he's like ready for another story with the title again or you know some sort of title chase or you know you could do all sorts of things with him now and i think he's just totally set up for the future yeah i i agree i mean like I I can't remember if I gave the speech on a free show or a Patreon show, so that would obviously greatly uh, <laughs> impact the number of people who heard it. But like Kaito to me is like like easily most improved wrestler. Like as far as like as the year goes, like just not that I didn't like him before. I I always liked him, but like you really just saw him like put it all together this year and like come together as like the complete package as an ace candidate. So you know, um, just he always had like like you said, always had the selling. But his offense is just way better now, so he can carry that portion of a match a lot better. And, like, his crowd connection and his charisma have just really developed really well this year. And, like, he just, he's much more of, like, now it just feels like, you know, before, his last last title reign, it's like, well, you see the potential, and you get why they're doing this, but he's not quite there yet. This year, it's just like, okay, he's the guy. I mean, that's it. I mean, like, there is nothing missing in this package at this point. So, you know, um definitely i mean he's you know he's had a um a match of the year level match for me at least so i don't know how, what you gave that go Kaito. yeah i i i was i went four and a half on that i i really liked it yeah so like just a a top level match of the year level match for me and you know i mean not that not taking away from go shiozaki anyway it's been good forever but like you know that that was definitely like a, a coming out party for kaito and he's had plenty of other great matches this year so uh and this was another one uh, but yeah, there you go. The N one overall, I'd, I'd say this was like a one of those shows. It's hard to talk about as a podcaster because it's like a very good show that you could also maybe argue under deliver a little bit. Like I thought, maybe I was expecting a little more out of uh, definitely out of Marafuji Nakajima. Although expecting anything out of a Marafuji match at this point uh, is a problem. But maybe like I'm a little disappointed that like one of the other undercard matches didn't quite get to like the four star level or whatever. A lot, a lot of them were really quick. So, you know, it just didn't happen. And maybe you yeah. could say the main event was even a little... I mean, the main event was one of those weird four-star matches that was a little disappointing, yeah. maybe. Yeah, uh, the the Junior Rumble, that, that met <laughs> expectations, though. There you <laughs> go. No, yeah, I, I think that, uh, you know... It, I think it did its job though because it did make me really excited for that for the next show. Yeah. I mean, I think the post match was really cool. You yeah, know, get, giving Kaido kind of this moment. Yeah, yeah, Nakajima Nakajima comes Nakajima. Out. yeah making fun of go and then like i i just i think i you know when you're just into all these storylines and you know nakajima just like has all these interesting feuds and kaito has interesting places to go and you know everything just feels to be building to you know the right place at the right time i think that you know this type of show that necessarily doesn't really have a lot of match of the year contenders or anything it's a lot more forgivable because it just sets up hopefully what will be a great show exactly yeah i mean it's definitely you know still 
one of these shows where at the end of the night I still really enjoy myself. So, you know, even if it didn't have, like you said, like match of the year level stuff. So the final standings, I already gave a lot of them throughout the show, but let's just go over them real quick. Uh, Kiyomiya wins the A block at 3-1-1, one, one, uh, 7 points. Go Shiozaki finishes 2nd at 3-2. and two. Uh, Mochizuki finishes 3rd at 2-2-1. Two, two and, and then you have a 3-way tie for last with Soya, Kitamiya, and Sakuraba all at 2-3. and three. The B block, Nakajima wins it at 4-1. and one. Sugera finishes in 2nd at 3-1-1. One, and one. Then you have Kano in 3rd at 3-2. and two. Marafuji in 4th at 2-2-1. Two, two Taniguchi in 5th at 2-3. And, and for Inamura, 0-5 in last place. Uh, my top 10 matches of the N1, um, I'll just give them really quickly here. Uh, the first three, all three and three quarters, uh, 10th place, Kaito versus Sakuraba from night five. Ninth place, Kano versus Taniguchi uh, in the B block from night three. Uh, eight, or I should mention, by the way, I, I called the doubleheader night four, night five. I know some people called it night four afternoon, night four evening, whatever. It doesn't matter. Um, just in case anybody gets confused. Uh, eighth place, Marafuji versus Sugera, uh, also from night three in the B block. Marafuji's one really good match in this tournament at like three and three quarters. Uh, then the next seven through four, all four stars. Uh, seventh place, Kano versus Nakajima from night one. Uh, sixth place, Goshiozaki versus Kaito from the show we just talked about. Fifth place, Nakajima versus Taniguchi from night four. And fourth place, Kaito versus Masa. Uh, Kiyomiya versus Kitamiya from night three. And then the top three, all four and a quarter. Third place, Go Shiozaki versus Mizaki Mochizuki uh, from night five. Second place, Go Shiozaki versus Kazuchi Sakuraba from night eight. Or, sorry, the night three. <laughs> uh, give that four and a quarter. Uh, and first place, Kaito versus Mochizuki from night one, which the 30-minute draw is still my favorite match of the tournament. But, uh, you know, a lot of really good stuff here. All ten of those matches... Definitely worth checking out. Uh, especially recommend the top three. I mean, Go and Mochizuki, Go and Sakuraba. Those are also very awesome matches. So there you go. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think there's anything on my top list that you would have missed. So yeah, good stuff. Um, the average star ratings for the tournament, the overall winner easily was Kaito for me. Uh, gave him an average of 3.9. Uh, second place was Mochizuki at 3.75. Third place was Go Shiozaki at 3.6. Well, really, I mean, Go had an awesome tournament except for one match. Uh, I really hated that Go Shiozaki versus Masakinamiya match from, I think, the last single camp show. I gave it two stars. So, like, that dragged Go down a lot. Otherwise, he would have been, like, like without that, he would be right there at Kaito. So that was pretty much what what happened. Um, and then fourth place, I had a, basically had a three-way tie top B block, all 3.5. So Kano, Nakajima... And uh, Sugera, all 3.5. So, you know, those are my top finishers. Uh, Soya right there at 3.45. Uh, Sakuraba right there at 3.35. And then Kitamiya with like a 2.95. Again, dragged down by that one match. Uh, Marafuji, no surprise, the absolute bottom here at a 2.85. Shuhei with a 3.3. And Inamura with a 3.15. I believe that's everybody. So, you know, a lot of good matches here. Uh, a lot of people in the high threes, but... Uh, you know, just a few people that I didn't really like their stuff. So, just basically Marafuji, really. It's like the one, the one yeah. at the bottom. And even yeah. that, I mean, he was like plopped up by that three point, uh, three and three quarter match with uh, Sugar. You take that out and he was doing really bad. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, all, you know, one thing you can say, though, is that it's better than Champions Carnival. So, it sure as fuck is. <laughs> I mean, Jesus. 
Uh, anyway, so the N1 finals uh, is on October 11th, so next Sunday. We're talking about it right here again on the free Omakase. Uh, so you get to hear that even if you're a uh, freeloader, as the term goes, I believe. Uh, the opener here is a six-man tag. Hajime Ohara, Seki Yoshioka, and Yohei of Full Throttle taking on uh, Kinya Mokata, Seiya Morahashi, and Junta Miyawaki. The match two, Akatashi Saito and Masao Inoue taking on Tadasuke and Neo. Uh, well, that should be something. Yeah, uh, that sounds I, like a blast. I really want to see Tadasuke interact with those two guys. That should be a lot of fun. Uh, match three, Takashi Sugera, Kazushi Sakuraba, Kazuki Fujita, and Kendo Kashin. Hell yeah. <laughs> taking it on Kano, Masakinamiya, Manabu Soya, and Yoshiki Inamura. Sugira Goon against Kongo. That should be a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. Oh, like, I mean, this, this show just has so many weird, fun matchups. <laughs> Match four for the GHC Junior Heavyweight Tag Team titles. Uh, Yoshinori Ogawa and Hayata against Harada and Kotoge. Uh, Momo no Seishun Tag trying to win back the belts they used to dominate. That should be really good. Uh, match number five, the GHC Junior Heavyweight title, Kotaro Suzuki against Tao. Uh, I really like Tao. I think he's been really good lately, so that should be a lot of fun. Uh, yeah. And then the semi-main event, an eight-man tag, Go Shiozaki, Shuhei Tanaguchi, Mohamed Yone, and Daiki Inaba against Marafuji, Keiji Mudo, Masakatsu Funaki, and Masaki Mojizuki. How can you not <laughs> love this promotion? This is the greatest promotion in the world. Like... This is just made for nerds, and yeah. that's why it's just the best. <laughs> like, here's fucking, fucking Masakatsu Funaki here to take on. I want to see him grapple with Yone. Let's go. It's really great. Uh, and the main event, of course, the N1 Victory Finals, Kaito Kiyomiya versus Katsuhiko Nakajima. Who do you think's winning that? I think Nakajima, probably. I do, you know, I like I said, I, I do think that it, you know, Kaito is totally ready for another title run, but I agree that it probably makes more sense for Nakajima to win here yeah. and go on and win the title. And then you can build to something down the line with them. And I, I personally like Nakajima is probably my, if I had to pick a, like my single favorite wrestler in Noah. And I would love for him to get like another run and be able to really, you know, have a nice run on top as like, you know, with this heel persona. Yeah. Um, so there you go. This is that Osaka Adion arena number one. Um, it looks like tickets are moving okay. The, the first two categories, uh, you know, of tickets say the, there, there's only a few available. The last two do say there's still much available. So um, who knows if they're going to sell out the half capacity Adiano one or not. But, you know, I hope they do because I like that one. <laughs> so, yeah. Yep. You know, uh, at least they have a they have stable ownership now. So you don't have to worry so much about the, uh, the minutia of the, you know, what's it called of the day-to-day -day attendance so uh but there you go that's the n1 victory so coming up on the uh patreon tomorrow which again patreon.com slash wrestling omakase if you'd like to sign up for all our coverage is the champion carnival final so that's from cork and hall the finals of course is zeus versus kento miyahara uh the f far more interesting semi-main event is yuma aoyagi against koji doi which may actually be more exciting than the entire champion carnival so far well, well i you know as much as i have no love right now for the current state of all japan i mean zeus and kento do have a five-star match to their name in my book so i feel they like do. i will i will always watch like that matchup at least yeah it's just it's just it feels so i don't know played out is the right word but it just feels like the one of the most boring finals they could have booked but i guess we'll say but yeah we'll have a full review of that on the patreon tomorrow with me and paul 
uh, along with the Tomorrow's New Japan show on a Patreon-exclusive full omakase so, uh, mon- on Monday. So definitely check that out, uh, patreon.com slash wrestlingomakase. Uh, anything you want to plug before we sign off here, Skyler? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at twitter.com with two W's, T-W-W-I-T-T-E-R-D-O-T-C-O-M. Um, you know, outside of that, I mean, I'm sure if you follow me, you'll just get mad at me. But, yeah, there I, I will probably be on Omakase again at some point. You know, John did tell me behind the scenes, off mic, that he was like, you got to be on every Patreon episode now. <laughs> What's to bring me into the fold? I'm the unofficial co-host. Um, you know, so who knows? Maybe I'll be on again later. And also, you know, I always try to plug some something someone else is doing. So bad wrestling podcasts, always love those guys. You know, listen to them. That's probably the you know the second best wrestling podcast behind Wrestle Omakase. There you go. Yeah. Uh, of course, they've both been on the show. Uh, I think I was going to say both many times, but I think it's actually only one time for Chris, but uh, a bunch of times for uh, for God, why am I playing Kevin? Yeah. I'm yeah. sorry, Kevin. Well, and, didn't you guys just do like an Attack on Titan episode, basically? No, we didn't do that. We should have. I don't know, we, have, we we should do that on the Patreon, honestly. I should bring up on for Anime Omakase and just like discuss the Attack on Titan lore. Because we did that and every single time he came on. We ended up doing like a half an hour on Attack on Titan. So we should probably just like get it out of the way. Someone will want it. Someone out there wants that. Did you Have you ever watched or like read the manga or anything or no? No, I've heard it's really dumb, which makes me want to read it. Um, but, you know, one day I will, and I'm sure I will have, like, freezing cold takes, and I'll freak out at the... Uh, yeah, I know the basement. I guess that's a thing that I should care about. I've, I've avoided spoilers for all these years, so when I finally do get there, we'll talk about I mean, it. And the only thing I'll say is the the way the manga has gone lately, it somehow this... I mean, this guy somehow finds, like, new and surprising ways to be fucking crazy, which is really kind of an accomplishment at this point, because I, I don't know how, how he's still doing it, honestly, but uh, yeah, I just don't know. And the new season's supposed to start soon, and it's supposed to be the final season of the TV show, and the fucking manga still has not ended. So I'm just like, I don't know how the hell they're going to squeeze all this shit. It's going to be like, I mean, really, the, the anime's going to be crap. I mean, it's going to be like that last season of Tokyo Ghoul or oh, yeah, yeah. that I gave up on halfway through because it's like they decided we're like well we only want to do one more season of like 12 episodes so even though we have like I don't know like a hundred chapters of the manga left because they did the first season of Tokyo Ghoul or a uh, like like a normal paced you know anime with a yeah. normal amount of manga chapters but they just decided they want to wrap it up in one more season. So like the episodes are like, you know, it's like the, it's like Vince Russo booking an anime where it's like, you know, 500 things are happening every two minutes. And it's like, well, this is just not watchable. So <laughs> I'm going to stop watching now. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I don't know. Definitely, to... There's definitely some like manga. I read that I'm just like, I just hope this never becomes an anime because it's <laughs> only, there's only pain if that happens. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I don't, so I don't know how that last season of Attack on Titan is going to go. I guess we'll see. But uh, you know, I think I think we'll I think it starts soon. I don't know. I don't remember. But I think it's either if it's it's either winter or spring coming up. It's definitely not airing now. I don't think. But uh, let me just look it up because I'm curious now. Attack on Titan new season. Uh, is it fall? What the fuck? Okay, this is great audio. I'll fill dead space because if you need a manga recommendation, Doro Hidoro, very, okay. very good. It's about a guy with a lizard head 
and is really, uh, you know, muscular women uh, opponents, and there's demons involved and magic and sci-fi stuff. And it is, there's one season of an anime that's on Netflix that has some 3D animation stuff, but uh, definitely highly recommend the manga. One of the best, uh, one of the best manga I've read of this century. And also, uh, you know, the mangaka is a woman, which is also, you know, something that's not super easy to find, especially with a manga, like the mega hyped manga. So I need to, so I need, I need to describe this. Okay. So I found the answer. It does. It airs December 7th. So it's winter, uh, you know, winter, whatever. It's probably going to be a two a split thing with 10 and 12. So where they say everything's like the last season, but they really mean, you know, it's, it's going to air in two seasons at this point. But what the fuck is this website where I found this? So it's like, Attack on Titan Season 4 air date. And I look over at the side, and, like, one of the stories on the side that wants me to click on is Claudia Conway reveals her mother has COVID. I'm like, what, what is it? What is the website that's serving uh, people who want to know the Attack on Titan Season 4 release date and uh, Kellyanne Conway's COVID status? Like, what is, where is the crossover there? Yeah, this sounds like my Twitter timeline. <laughs> it's like, what the fuck? <laughs> Uh, there you go. So if you want to learn, go to HITC.com if you want to learn all about uh, anime release dates and the COVID positive status of various Trump officials. And it's like a picture of this fucking, this teenage girl, like, I guess with the video where she revealed her mom is COVID. Yeah, the TikTok. <laughs> it was a TikTok? That's yes. awesome. She took to the Chinese airways. <laughs> uh the TikTok. Do you know he he was he like his TikTok ban got turned down in court, right? That's what happened. Oh, really? I, think, I didn't know that. I yeah. think so. Uh, um, yeah, extremely funny saga of just something that like I truly don't care about, but whatever the result is, it will be funny. Yeah. So, yeah. TikTok. <laughs> TikTok. Yeah, that's the type of wins that our society needs nowadays. Yeah. All right, there you go, folks. And what a better way to end that. So, and uh, now we're both gonna. Yeah, John told me we're both going to watch NXT TakeOver, which apparently is on right now. Is it? Uh, um, yeah, Velveteen Dream and Kushida might be on. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, that, Velveteen yeah. Dream. There you go. Like when I saw I saw this tweet from some guy who was like, I refuse to watch New Japan because of uh, <laughs> because of Will Ospreay. Uh, you know, because you get and the oh, okay, because you get mad. Somebody who was like, uh, the G One's better than Raw or SmackDown. He's like, well, I'll stick with Raw or SmackDown because they don't have Will Ospreay. And it's like, okay, <laughs> you do yeah. that, you do that, buddy. WWE. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Also, I mean, Velveteen Dream putting up against someone who's like five six is already a little, <laughs> is a little suspect. Yeah, he's shown predilection for short people in the past. So. Uh, there you go. That's a, that's the way to end for the pedophilia. Yeah, on a Velveteen. <laughs> yeah. uh, anyway, folks, thank you. Yeah, also, for- we also endorse the death of the Velveteen Dream. Yeah. We'll sneak this into the end here. There you go. Uh, thank you so much for listening, everybody. Uh, I want to, again, the Patreon, patreon.com slash wrestling on for upcoming uh, Champion Carnival and G1 coverage this week, Monday through Thursday. Lots of stuff coming up. Uh, you can, also, of course, also follow us on Twitter at Russell Omakase, Wrestling Wouldn't Fit. Thank you so much for listening, everybody, and we'll see you next time. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.